0: Today's message has been brought to you by Faith Family Church in Billings, Montana. For more information, visit faithfamilybillings.com. We're going to go right into the word this evening. Um, Oops, I opened the wrong message. Right here. And uh, Wednesday nights is teaching. We're, we're doing Bible study and w- what I'm doing is a verse-by-verse verse in Philippians And um, there's some history here in Philippians that you'll see on your uh, f- On the form that you receive from herb and that you've already had just given general history um, But verse-by-verse verse studies are good because they give context to what's being said um, And how many know the Lord's scriptures are deep they can go for eternity and um I guess through the years like when I first started ministering I was I was definitely a preacher just because I was full of zeal and I thought that's what you were supposed to do was spit and scream and yell and and be sweaty you know when you're done <laughs> but but over the years and I can still preach but I I as a pastor you have to be able to teach as well and there are there is a um There is something that I've realized through the years from when I was first saved 23 years ago till today, that the most stable people I know are just flat consistent with the Lord. They're just steady, you know, just day in, day out. They're in their word. They're, they fellowship with the Lord. They're in prayer. They're in church consistently. They're fellowshipping with other believers. And they have the greatest effect in the worlds that they live in. You know, the scripture says go into all the world, right, and preach the gospel to every creature. Well, that doesn't mean you have to go personally all over the world. I mean, unless you're called to that, you should do that. Um, I'm not called to do that. Um, What that basically means is that you go into your world and express the resurrection that is within you in your world. And that affects somebody else, and it has this consistent effect to where whoever you minister to, even if it's for a season, they may go on in their world, and they'll minister to somebody else, and it has this residual effect of seed time and harvest. And the scripture, the word is a lamp unto our feet, it's a light unto our path, the word is seed, the word is bread, the word is milk, the word is meat, the word is water, Come on, living water, yeah. It's all of these things. And and when we fellowship with the Lord and we're reading the Word, we are fellowshipping with the Holy Spirit and with the Word of God, it changes us. And so even when it comes to teaching, this is where I put my faith um, because faith came from the Scripture to me in this area. I believe that I'm being transformed even when I read it by myself. So even if I read it and i feel like nothing happened i go thank you lord that you're transforming me because how many know god's not the problem i am right you can say amen i didn't say you so so i'm the problem in the relationship between me and the lord how do you know that because he had to send his son to get me to him if i could have got to him then i wouldn't i'd have been i'd have had some solution in this but it's all by grace through faith right okay so I got faith from hearing that I am transformed or my mind is renewed or transformed by the word of God. And so I, that faith came into me. I saw that word and so I thought there is no scripture that is just you know haphazard in that sense. Now, some, not, not every scripture in here tells you exactly a promise for your life, but all of it gives context to things that are going on. All of it gives context to the scripture, and you can learn and glean from situations in the scriptures uh, um, to see what to do and what not to do. How many you know both? Both are in there. How many, it's interesting. I love the Old Testament. I like the New Testament, too, um, of course. Love the New Testament. That's where we're living right now, but I, I like the Old Testament, in some respects, because it really just tells everybody's faults. It does. Where the New Testament doesn't have a, they, you have some of that, but you know, you look at King David and you think, there's hope for me. You know, I <laughs> mean, you, <know? laughs> you know, I haven't, you know, murdered anybody recently. So, you know, Lord, you can work with me, you know. And uh, even, how many know this though? Even King David was saved by grace through faith, he was not saved through the law okay, he was saved by grace through faith, and, um, and, and the Lord works with us where, our, where we're at, and he doesn't leave us where we're at, he grows us and matures us, and that happens through the teaching of the word, right? So, um, Brother Hagin used to say this to us, the teaching anointing is actually stronger than the preaching anointing, and I used to think, no, I don't think so, you know, me at my 21 years of age listening to this, and him being in the ministry for 60 plus years already, <laughs> No, he was right. It's stronger. And so, um, because whether we realize it or not, it's good at times to be motivated and hyped up in a service, but how many know life is very daily? And that's where you got to have that sword sharpened down, and daily, you were walking in going, okay, here we go, and I'm fighting the good fight of faith today, too. And then you lay your head on the pillow, and you wake up the next morning, you go, okay, here we go again. I'm fighting the good fight of faith today as well. And you don't quit. You just keep moving forward. And how many have noticed through the years as you walk with the Lord, it just keeps getting better and better and better and better? I, I don't know that I could have imagined it would be as good as it is, and it's going to even get better. So I, I'm so thankful. And I, I'll be honest. I, the Lord, when I, as I've learned to study His Word and really listen to Him, man, I, you, I wouldn't trade it for anything. There's nothing. There's nothing better than, than getting, even if it's one thing from the Word of God, just a half of a verse speaks to you in a day. It's like that verse will carry you all day long. and The faith and the grace that comes. And uh, I'm so grateful for it because it has beat what the enemy has tried to do repeatedly in my life. And I'm thankful for it. So let's do this. Philippians chapter 1, verse 1. Paul and Timothy, bond servants of Jesus Christ... He says this, to all the saints that are in Christ Jesus, who are in Philippi, with the bishops and the deacons. How many know this? That the church is those, are, are those who are in Christ Jesus. Okay, so don't think denomination, don't think any of that stuff. Think, are they in Christ Jesus? Because if they're in Christ Jesus, you know, some people think if you're not a part of our church, you know, you, you know our denomination, you're not going to make heaven. That's a lie. All right, all you have to be is in Christ Jesus. All right, that's what you have to be. So he says in verse two, grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Verse three, I thank my God upon every remembrance of you always in every prayer of mine making requests for you all with joy for your fellowship in the gospel from the first day until now. Verse 6, being confident of this very thing, that he who began a good work in you will complete it until the day of Jesus Christ. Now, I didn't comment on those first six verses because we went over those in the first um, uh, messages that we did here, and we're going to start in verse 7 tonight. How many know the theme of Philippians is joy? It is joy. And it's joy that is uh, supernatural. It's grace joy. It's not circumstance joy. Because Paul's in prison. He's in, we talked about this before. This is such a good truth because it gives us pr- perspective. We really don't have a lot to be depressed about. He's in pr- prison writing to free people about how to be happy. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that's amazing to me. You, there's only one way you have that happen. Now, if you look at the history of this, Paul's not just in prison. He's chained to a Roman guard. He's actually literally chained to him. And he's writing, getting revelation, preaching the gospel, to, of course, to the guy next to him, you know, who has to be with him 24-7. Uh, he's not, not only that, but he's getting revelation. He's praying. He's fellowshipping with the Lord while being chained to a Roman who is not a Christian yet, Okay, uh, and, and he's, he's declaring the, the, the revelation of heaven in the midst of prison. That's faith. That is, you know, like people will do this. They'll go, I'm going to challenge you here. Okay, you ready? You're at Wednesday night, right? You're not, at, you're not at Sunday morning. This is deeper, right? So I'll challenge you. They don't need f- uh, uh, four songs, two fast ones, two slow ones, I mean, no, Paul's not getting this in prison, and he's still getting revelation from heaven. How is that? He has fellowship with his father through the worship band, the Lord Jesus Christ. He's got a revelation of his relationship with the father to the point that even in the midst of prison, he is abounding in joy. That's got to be supernatural. And we have that. We have joy that is beyond what your natural mind can comprehend. We actually have peace that is outside the realm of reason. You know, people should look at you and go, you're going through what? And you're not like on, you know, you're not on, you're not stressed out. You still have fingernails. People are wondering about that one. You're not biting them off because you're (laughs) nervous. (laughs) <laughs> alright you're, you're in the midst of this and you're doing what I'm fighting the good fight of faith until I'm all the way through to the other side okay so we, we got through those first six verses and I'm going to start actually in the sixth verse again because I just want to review it because it's just so good and I'm going to I got to get down there in my notes here <clears throat> but it's just so good what he says here being confident, this is a Philippians 1.6, being confident of this very thing, that he who begun a good work in you will complete it until the day of Jesus Christ. So what do we see here? The first phrase that I want to pull out is simply this, being confident of this very thing. The word confident means to rely by inward certainty. It means to assure, to persuade, and trust It means to have confidence. So by the Holy Spirit, Paul is about to tell us the very thing that he has inward certainty about. He has inward certainty about what? He has an inward confidence. When I read this, I thought, there is no sense in being frustrated as a minister with people. It's not that you can't correct things and deal with things, but I need to believe in the one who began the work in you to complete the work in you. Come on, how many of you have kids that haven't ser- or aren't serving the Lord? Or maybe they could do better? Or you're, you're believing God for their salvation? You know, all of those type of things. You need to believe, if they've been born again, that he who began to work in them will continue to be work- to work in them. To where what? To the point that what? You are confident. You are persuaded. You have an assurance in you. And you can apply this to just about any, any person. You realize that. You can apply this to just about any. You have an assurance, a knowing. So what does that mean? That means Paul's faith is not resting on their performance. Come on. He, it's, his faith is what? Resting on grace. I'm believing God. How many of you know this? It does no good. It actually hinders my faith if I constantly am complaining about what my kids are doing wrong. Or, you know, whatever the situation is. And I'm not, and I, but yet I'm praying for him. But yet I'm complaining about it. Better than I'm praying for them. Come on. I need to be in faith and then just stay there. And when the devil shows you all the exits out of faith, you go, no, no, I'm not taking those. I am confident in the one who by grace through faith saved me is going to by grace through faith save you. Right? And then what am I doing as a, well, just we'll apply it to me as a minister. I'm actually using my faith on your behalf. (laughs) Isn't that good? And, 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 and I'm not just, we're not just looking at, oh, I wonder if they're going to make it based on experience. We're looking at God is working in them. How many of you know this? The, you can't go everywhere your kids go, but God can. You can't go everywhere your spouse goes, but God can. I had a lady years ago, I was up at a camp uh, doing just, actually, I was just attending the camp, and I think they asked people to come up, or ministers, or somebody to come up and pray for people. And so I went up, you know. And uh, this lady came up, and she did not look good. And uh, she looked she looked like she hadn't slept in about twenty years. And uh, I said, "Well, what's the, you know what's going on?" And she's like, "I just can't sleep. I'm worrying about my kids." And she had little kids, you know. And so I and I, and I said, "Okay, you know." And I and I didn't say anything to her. She said, "My heart's just racing all the time because she's in this state of worry, you know. She's developed this pattern of just thinking." The enemy has got her mind in a direction of panic, and she has not taken authority over that thing and made it sit down and obey. How I many know this, that your mind is your mind, and not anybody else's. It's yours. It was given to you by the Lord. In fact, the Lord told you, take every thought captive to the obedience of Christ. How I many you know Christ is not worrying 24-7? Okay. So we take it into obedience there. And what, people, what a lot of people do is they try the verse instead of live by it. They try it. Anybody ever had worry issue before and you get on that verse and it's like, man, is this going to go away? But if you stick with it, the devil has no choice in your submission to God but to flee from you. Amen? Okay, I just quoted a scripture there and I know you know that. All right, so I said to her, I said, I said, and the Holy Spirit prompted me, he said, ask her if she thinks I love her kids more than her. You see what she's doing? She's putting her trust in her ability as a mom to do everything for her kids. And that will leave you in a place of panic because you're more than aware, all the moms in here, of your inadequacies on your human side. You're not God, have you noticed? If you haven't, I'm sure your spouse has told you. (laughs) All right? So my point in that is this, is that, and she just, it's like this revelation came to her. I said, you can trust God with your kids. Right? Right? It doesn't mean I'm not led by the Holy Spirit and everything my kids, you know, what they do, and I'm aware of that, and I'm constantly aware in prayer. That's not the issue. The issue is I can trust God with my kids whether I see them in front of my eyes or not. In fact, God is constantly around my kids, constantly, and their angels are there as well, all the time. They're under covenant because I'm under covenant. Now, they're under covenant too because they're born again. But God is protecting them 24-7, watching over them. And and I'm going to share another secret with you. And I actually declare the terror of God upon them against any enemy. Have you ever read about the terror of God? People are like, is that a horror movie? (laughs) Go into the Old Testament and read about it. Paul actually declared about it. He said, knowing the terror of God, we warn men. Talking about salvation, right? And so the terror of God actually came on God's enemies in the Old Testament. They actually just turned and killed each other. (laughs) I've got a defense system that the government wishes they had for me and mine, right? Okay? Because I'm in covenant with God through Jesus. And so my prayers get answered because of that blood and body, amen, and asking according to his will, or as we say, in Jesus' name. If you think of that like a a barrier, everything inside of Jesus is our access to us. We have access to it, okay? Everything inside his name has to be within the covenant, amen? So Paul is actually confident. He actually has an inward certainty. Does that not sound like faith to you? Okay, this confidence and persuasion comes from the knowledge of the word of God through the revelation by Holy Spirit. So that's how it comes. What is he confident in? He's confident in the fact that he who began a good work in them will complete it until the day of Jesus Christ. So began, the word began, simply means beginning or to commence. What is the work that, when did it begin? When we were what? Born again, right? That's when it began. Not only does the, by grace through faith mean the beginning, but it also means the continuance. Okay, so it's not just introduction, it's continuance. So what does that mean? That means that he will perform, he will complete the work that he started by grace through faith. So this is something that you need to believe about yourself, okay? Because if you're like me, you've made mistakes when you yielded to your flesh when you shouldn't have. And so you, how many have done that? And then the enemy comes to you and tells you, you're never going to make it. You're sorry. I can't even believe Jesus saved you in the first place. How many have had that before? Okay, or something similar to that. You have that come to you. Those thoughts can come to you. Those, those uh, feelings and ways can come to you. But if you are a person that is living by grace through faith, you'll recognize that that, that, that is the enemy. You'll draw up that shield of faith and you go, no, 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 he who began a good work in me will complete it. And I'm not relying on my performance, I'm relying on his. Come on. He is ever working on your behalf. God's primary goal is not to kill you. If it was, He would have just done nothing. Right? I mean, if God's intention was, I don't really like the people anyway. I don't really like my creation anyway. If that was His mode of operation, why even send Jesus? He could just leave us to ourselves, and we'd just slaughter each other. But that's not his goal. The Scripture says that he is extra patient, more patient than you and me, thank God, until the whole harvest of the earth comes in. He's just patient. He's he's called long-suffering. (laughs) Amen? Amen? And I don't think anybody, I mean, maybe at different times, we've tested the distance of the long-suffering part, but currently, most people that are serving the Lord actively, you're probably not even barely irritating the Lord at any given moment, okay? So get that out of your head, and don't just think, oh, you know, God probably just putting up with me. No, He loves you, and He loves you even more, the Scripture talks about, now that you are His child, Amen? And so if he paid Jesus for you when you weren't doing anything for him, how much more is he willing to be a blessing to you? Right? The scripture says, actually, Paul gave us this revelation. He who did not withhold or spare even his own son, how shall he not also with him, what? Freely give us all other things. In other words, if he gave you Jesus, everything else has access. Right? So that's what we see here. We see... That, the, that Paul is putting his faith in the one who will perform, and the word perform means to fulfill further, to execute, to accomplish, or to finish. The good work is God's plan for our lives, which was started at the new birth. This plan includes daily maturity in the word and divine production. So you living out of what has been given, placed within you. Paul emphasizes that it is God the Father who begins this good work in us. The day is the return of Christ and the resurrection of the church until the perfect day is what that's talking about. God will continue to complete his work in each believer as they cooperate with him until the day Jesus returns. The challenge that we face as believers is continuing to keep ourselves focused on our identity in Christ Jesus It is easier for us to focus on mistakes or our natural fleshly weaknesses and identify with them rather than faith in God's grace or resurrection within us, working in us from faith to faith and glory to glory. God's design for you is that you grow from faith to faith and glory to glory. That's his design for you. Your your life is to be Day, uh, yearly, weekly, daily, whatever you want to say Over a span of time you should look more like who, Whose nature you are You should look more like your dad The older you get Or whatever, you understand what I'm saying That's a natural term In other words, you should be What? That seed of the resurrection within you, Christ in you, the hope of glory, should be producing more and more fruit every year. And it's to come out through the soul and through the body. Okay? You are designed to house God. In fact, you are housing him now. Okay, verse 7. Just as it is right for me to think of you all, uh, this of you all, because I have you in my heart inasmuch as both in my chains and in the defense and confirmation of the gospel... You all are partakers with me of what? Grace. Paul's revelation was, as we know it, was really the Holy Spirit working through Paul, revelation to the church. His revelation was written not so that you could just be impressed with what he got. It's so that you could live what he received. That's why it was given. Okay, now that's tough. Sometimes people think they have a religious mindset. They think, no, no, that's the Apostle Paul. And he is just as much saved and position-wise as you are. He may have had a different office in apostleship, but you have the same relationship with God that he did. (laughs) You have the same relationship with God that he did. So what is being withheld from you? Nothing, nothing, you just have to seek God. The answer is nothing, you have access because of Jesus. You have access to him. So when I read the word, here we go, and you need to think this way too, okay? When I read the word, I don't think, man, I wish I could get what Paul had. I say, Lord, thank you for what you brought through Paul, that's mine, Because the, the covenant that Paul had with God was based on Jesus. And that's an open door. So I, I can have the understanding that he had. Well, you weren't a Jew. You weren't raised. It doesn't matter. None of that matters. I don't have to be any of those things. All I have to have is faith in the grace. How many know that God can speak Hebrew and he can speak Montana country boy? <laughs> all right, I, I, I don't need to understand, I mean, it's not that I don't look at the Greek and different things like that, I do, but I don't need to understand that to know God, if that's the case, then there's a whole lot of people that don't know God, relationship with God is by grace through faith, okay, all right, so um, it doesn't hurt to know some of those things, of course, but what does he say here? Okay, we're participating in that grace. What's this? He says, I have you in my heart. Verse 7 at the first part, he said, it's right for me to think this of you all because I have you in my heart. This is part of the connection that is supposed to take place in the body of Christ. Paul has presented the gospel to them and continued with them in their spiritual development. In return, this church has partnered with Paul in his ministry to others. The result of the gospel, then, is believers being connected in heart, okay? The result of the gospel is what? That believers are connected in heart. Watch this. The grace of divine connection will carry you through any relational trials. The grace of divine connection will carry you through any relational trials, Okay, so like in this situation, do, do Paul, now Paul and the Philippians are not having a fight, but are they having a relational trial? Yeah. They are because Paul's where? He's in Roman prison, and they're still in, they have a distance between them, but that distance is not stopping grace from operating. In fact, the grace that is within the hearts of all the believers, there's a divine connection that is not limited uh, to being in the same, uh, re- being in the same uh, room together. It's, there's a divine connection in the spirit because we are the body of Christ. Amen? Okay? We're the body of Christ. Now, any person that's born again, you're connected to them. Now, that doesn't mean you're going to have close fellowship with them. How many know the wrist to the hand has a lot... lot closer relationship than the foot to the hand now the foot can reach out to the hand okay it can but that doesn't they're not together all the time there are certain portions of the body that are connected in the spirit and they're together all the time and you can want to be separated and you can't and if you haven't experienced that then you haven't gone very far in your relationship with the lord because when you're really listening to the holy ghost He'll have you stay in places that you don't want to stay in the natural. Now, don't say amen too loud, because then I'll think, you know. (laughs) He'll have you stay put. And and I used to think years ago, and this has happened to me more than once. But years ago, I said, Lord, what are you doing? This just isn't what I want to do. And he said, but it's what I want to do. And you learn... That the grace, the divine grace, divine connection, that grace there will hold you through relational trials. And when it's done, not only it's iron sharpening iron, right? So not only am I stronger at the end of it, but so is the other person. Why? Because they had to put up with me too. God will hold you there. And I think, Lord, there's got to be a better way. But 10 years later, I figured it out. Yeah, that worked. Good job, Lord. I'm glad you, <laughs> you were right the whole time. I knew it. <laughs> okay? So he'll hold you there and keep you in a place that's uncomfortable to your flesh. Goes on to say this. He goes on to say, um, it's right that I have you in my heart. Then he goes on to say, in the de- talking about the defense and confirmation of the gospel. The word defense is basically answer, and confirmation is establishment. So they're in connection together, and the Philippians are actually preaching with Paul even though they're not with him. Why? Because they're tied to him financially. Now they're tied to him in the spirit too. But how many know this? Wherever your treasure is, there your your heart is, right? So if you, this is what are the Philippians saying when they give to him as they did. As they're supporting his ministry, what are they saying? They're saying, we are with you, Paul. Go, preach. We appreciate what you did for us. We appreciate what God did through you for us, and we're living on these things. We appreciate what you established in Philippi for us in church and ministry and all those things, and we believe that you're going and doing that out there, and we want to partner with you in doing that. Okay? So... Um, that 's a connection in the spirit, and what are they doing they 're actually preaching even though they 're not preaching isn 't that interesting now you can really if you dive into this even more it gets it gets like it just starts to it 's cycle after cycle after cycle after cycle because you can give to the church the church can give to another ministry that ministry can give to another ministry and you can have people affected by your giving or your whatever you do as far as in fellowship and in giving to the body of Christ and it can affect people you don't even know that we give to the to missionaries in Poland you will never meet the people they minister to but you will get reward because you gave amen do you see that It goes on and on and on and on and on. Imagine the rewards once we get to heaven. We're going to get there and and we're going to know in the spirit that we affected things. It's going to be very powerful. I'm excited about it. But anyway, Paul defends the gospel to those who resist. He confirms it to those who are open and positive toward the word of God. Those who are positive and open to the word of God receive it or give it entrance into their lives. And as they continue in it, they are established in it. The Greek word there for defend is actually apologia, where we get the English word apologetics. It is translated defense and answer in a number of passages. And I could go into those, but we'd be here forever. We do not defend the word of God, but use it to defend our cause. We do not need to be defensive of God. Do you realize that? We don't need to be defensive of God. We don't need to apologize about our beliefs. Rather, we have important information and defend what we know to be true. God is not insecure, nor is he without power to back up his word. How I many you know God's not in heaven going, they don't like me? He's not having like group hugs with Michael and Gabriel and Jesus. You know, the, the, the people are being mean to me today. You know, he's not doing any of that. Why? Because he's not insecure. He knows who he is, right? So it's even with, you know, people like, well, I'm gonna convince these people to believe. No, you can just share it. Holy Spirit is convincing and they're gonna choose whether they wanna yield to it or not. And you can go on with your life and be happy and enjoy your salvation. Even if you get rejected for, for declaring your faith, you can walk on and go, it's okay. Lord, I put them in your hands. I thank you that the seed is working in them, that Holy Spirit, you are walking with them, and you're like that hound dog that never leaves the scent. You know, the Holy Spirit will just stick with it. He'll just keep working and keep working. And you may not even see that person. You may not see them for years and years and years, but the Lord will bring somebody else across their path. And God will minister to that person. We, I worked with a guy uh, in construction for several years and preached to him all the time. And it was awesome having debate with him because uh, he was a staunch atheist, but he studied it. So it was even more fun because I study my side too. And I like to, I like to uh, go back and forth on these things. For one, it's not, just, it's not just about winning the argument. For one, I find out, man, I need to get better in that area. I need to have better understanding there. And so we would go back and forth, back and forth. And uh, this guy, I found out, like, almost all the people that he worked around were believers, and they were constantly dealing with him. And then I found out his mom was a believer and constantly praying for him. So he couldn't go anywhere, and we'd show up. (laughs) You know? It was so great. It was so great. All right. So, Paul says, you all are partakers of grace with me, which means a part, a co-participant. So we partake in the same grace that uh, how many know the early New Ter- Testament church had? You know, we are all the church, of course, but the same grace is available today and operative as it was then. And we're partakers of the gospel and we cooperate in this same grace together. So, the more knowledge we receive concerning the grace of God, the more liberty we experience. Remember, this is good, the Lord gave me this, grace is empowerment from God to experience the fullest measure of resurrection power possible in this dispensation. I love this. this I, sometimes these things come to me, I'm studying, I'm like, whoa. You know, you've got to kind of sit back in your chair a little bit. And, I, and I'm like, Lord, this is so good. Grace is empowerment from God to experience the fullest measure of resurrection power possible in this dispensation. You have within you, right now, if you're born again, the ability to live out the full measure of grace available within you. And there's resurrection within you if, if you're born again. That means that the fruit of the Spirit is not something you need to kind of kick to the side for so-and-so who has a kind of a personality that way. No, no, no. You're all in your flesh and in your soul. You need to get over into your spirit and go, no, I have the fruit of the Spirit. It functions in me because God put it in me when I was born again, and I can function correctly. You realize this, that my, all my personality disorders, God doesn't want to get rid of my personality. It's that the fruit, of, the, the nature of Christ needs to come through the personality that he put within me. Now, you don't need to be me, but you need to allow the resurrection to flow through you. And you know, we, we do. We have too much psychology in the church, too much. And so we reason things away. Well, I can't do that because my mama did this to me. You know, my mom spanked me with a spoon. And she did. She's right there. She did it. <laughs> no, yeah. Way to go, Mom. You did it. Now my personality's warped. No, my personality would be warped because I'm not allowing the Lord to flow through me like I should. I'm yielding to things that I shouldn't, which is why I got spanked. <laughs> yeah, I did. It's true. Grace is empowerment from God to experience the fullest measure of resurrection power possible in this dispensation. Verse 8 For God is my witness. God is my witness. Boy, that is a strong statement. How greatly I long for you all with the affection of Jesus Christ. Isn't that good? The word witness means one who bears record. We call a witness to testify, right? Paul is using God as his witness to the compassion he has for the church at Philippi. Seems like he does this because he cannot express it to them physically. So in other words, he can't see them physically. So he's saying, look, Holy Spirit is going to confirm to you when you read this letter how much compassion I have for you. And that compassion is derived from where? The Lord within me. People say, well, I just, I cannot love that person. Something about their personality just rubs me the wrong way. Well, you got to get out of your natural into your super natural. And when you do that, what comes up? When you, when you really, and I'm I'm still growing in this. I experienced a little bit of it today. I'm very happy about that. But, um, (laughs) but I'm still growing in this. But when you... There there is a nature within me, according to the scriptures, there's a nature within you that is affection, great compassion for others that maybe you in the natural don't even care for. But yet, you will love them the way Jesus loved you. Now, if you don't want to live in that, then just stay in psychology. Psychology. But if you want to live in the Christian life, in, in resurrection power, and it is amazing. And, and I haven't got into to as much as I, I know I will as I continue to grow with the Lord, but I can love people that absolutely hate me. I didn't say I became their doormat. I'm meek, not weak. Right? Okay? There's a difference. Meekness is strength under control. You know, sometimes people think, yeah, we just need to let people, everybody run over us, just, no, 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 no. That's not what it's talking about. You can love somebody and speak truth to them, and it can be confrontive and not hate them. So if I love somebody and I'm speaking truth, then I don't want their death. That doesn't mean I don't know they're on a path to death. It just means I don't want that to be the end result. So I'm believing God that they receive light. But I'm not going to be weak and back down, but the compassion within me will hurt when they get hurt. It won't rejoice over their destruction, okay? So we got to be careful with this, right? Because there's this balance that happens. All right, I don't even know how I got into that. It was based on the affection. All right, we're going to wrap it up right here. Paul's heart, heart toward the church in Philippi is one of mercy and compassion. He's so, And that's, why, that's another reason why you go back to, up to that other verse in verse 6. You go back up into that and you can see again why Paul, he had faith that the one who began a good work in them would complete it. Why? Because that's the one who also has great compassion inside of him for them. Amen? For God is my record... The word for witness is actually martyrs. And it is witness or record, but it's where we get the word martyr. Okay? How greatly or strongly I desire after you all in the bowels. And that is deep emotions, compassion, inward affection of Jesus Christ. You have within you the deep compassion of Jesus Christ right now. People say, I don't feel it. Stir it up. Declare it by faith first. And, and watch the Holy Spirit begin to change the way you see and think. You can actually, you can be so full of love for people that no matter what they do to you, you don't lose your joy. Now that's a miracle, don't you think? Because that doesn't come naturally. Natural, like Brother Hagin used to say to us, natural love turns into hatred overnight. But divine love. It is long suffering. You know what that word means? To be long spirited, have endurance. And people say, well, it hurts. Yeah, most weightlifting does. You say, what what has that got to do with weightlifting? You are training in the spirit. I'm long suffering. I'm long-suffering, and what you don't realize is oftentimes because the enemy has got you so wrapped in the circumstance, but on the inside of you, you know, like, like uh, Smith Wigglesworth said, I'm 10,000 times bigger on the inside than I am on the outside. In other words, if you could peel my skin off, you would see a ripped, massive, <laughs> devil-stomping Spirit. Now, I'm not talking about me only. I'm talking about you. Because inside of you, you have the ability. And so what's taking place? Instead of looking at the difficult situation and going, "Ugh, I need to get out of this thing. You go, Lord, train me. I'm in boot camp right now. Where are we doing the push-ups? Where are we doing the sit-ups? Strengthen me because I want to be able to be a vessel that can carry great weight of your glory to affect those around me. See, that's how that's a bond servant of Jesus Christ, one who has given up their own will for the will of God. How many like that? I mean, I don't like, I like Navy SEALs. You know, I like that. I like, you know, war, real, I mean, getting it, these guys go through, and, and it, I, I, this was years ago, <laughs> I like watching them do it, yeah. Well, in the spirit, <laughs> go ahead and do it, you know what I mean? You know, we do this. We watch all sorts of things and are impressed with these just amazing athletes and feats that seem like, how do people do that? Why do we watch it with such intrigue but not do it? Yeah, pain. Good old pain. Right? But see, God will put you in situations that you think are going to kill you, and he'll go, no, you just don't realize how much I have in you. And I'm gonna go ahead and draw that out. And so if you go through it by faith, which was the word that came forth during worship, if you go through it by faith... You'll find out how big he is in you. Amen. So the Greek word is martyr. It's where we get the English word martyr, the witness. The meaning has evolved from one who tells or records what he has seen to one who willingly suffers death or torture rather than renounce his beliefs. How many know that's the highest level of faith? Do you know what that martyrdom is? It's the highest level of faith. People think, well, I got out of death. Well, that's a good level of faith, but the highest one is you're murdered for your faith. That's the highest level, okay? All right, so you can go read it in Hebrews 11. All right, so in the, people are like, no, I want a new car. <laughs> That's like the, lo, one of the lowest levels of faith, to be honest. It is, it's just low. Because really, and people say, well, you know, you wouldn't think that listening to some preachers. Well, they're wrong. They're wrong. I don't know what to tell you. The highest level of faith is martyrdom because you're believing to the point that you're willing to lay down your life rather than deny Christ that's the highest level and we'll see that later but it won't be tonight in this verse Paul uses it in the classic sense of bearing witness the Lord himself has been called to witness Paul's intense desire to visit the Philippians after his release from prison Paul will do this a number of times throughout this book, demonstrating his true feelings and accountability to the Philippians. So there's this connection in the spirit. Remember, the grace of divine connection can get you through any relational trial. Because how many know this? That if you can change by the grace of God, other people can too. Right? There is always hope. Don't let the enemy bombard and cloud your mind with everything that's gone wrong and and insecurities and fears ruling you like God can't get you out of it. He raised Jesus from the dead. He can change your mentality. There is nothing impossible with God, and there is nothing impossible to those who will believe Him. So believe. You know, I, I was at a meeting last night in another church. Yeah, I went to another church. and I, So in your faith, no, <laughs> I'm the pastor, and I went to another church. You know. No, I'm just kidding. I'm not, really not kidding about going to another church. I did do that. <laughs> it was a good meeting, too. I really enjoyed it. And, uh, and I was, uh, I don't even know where I was going with that. I got joking, and I shouldn't have. <laughs> Good one, Dale. (laughs) Um, I was in another church, and uh, Holy Spirit, help me. There was a good point there. Y'all pray, just pray. (laughs) There is nothing impossible with God. It doesn't exist. It doesn't exist. There is no situation... That if we will grab on to God and believe, oh, I know what it was. Thank you. Thank you, Lord. Thank you. Thank you for praying. So, this pastor friend of mine, he says, uh, I'd like to acknowledge, you know, Pastor Sean's here and his wife, and, you know, and he goes, If you ever want to see somebody that went from a knucklehead (laughs) to to righteousness, that seems to be the testimony. (laughs) It's not that it's not true, because it is true. Okay. So, and he made that statement. And I thought, you know, Because I'm not... I don't care if someone calls me a knucklehead because my grandpa called me that a lot, all right? (laughs) Because I was. And so (laughs) um, I thought, you know, there's no... The reason why God picked me to do what I'm doing is because he looked for somebody with the most amount of problems and thought, I'm going to prove to these people that I can change their life because if I put this knucklehead in front of people... (laughs) They'll see that they can do it too. (laughs) See what kind of work God can do? You know, Paul even said it. He didn't, you know, to the Corinthians, he said, I didn't pick the most amazing among you. The only reason that there's any level of success in our life with the Lord is by grace through faith. Amen? There's divine connection. Stay where you're planted. Grow where you're at. Continue to move forward. Work through difficult situations. Don't give up. Enjoy. Learn how to have joy in the midst of terrible circumstances. And you'll develop spiritually. And 10 years from now, you'll go, man, Lord, I am thankful I walked through that thing with you. I am thankful I walked through that. Because out of that, you know, out of that comfort that the Holy Spirit brings to you, it will come through you to somebody else who's going through a hard time. Amen? Don't quit. Keep going. It feels like I'm chained. That's, you know, it's like, you know marriage, you know the whole idea of ball and chain? It's like directly Connected. It's like a real thing. <laughs> it's that whole process of it, we grow, we develop. You know, people are like, I just want a comfortable life. The scripture doesn't say a comfortable, a comfortable life sharpens iron. It says iron sharpens. <laughs> well, it hurts. <laughs> That's all right. Your flesh can die. And so can mine. Amen? Amen. We'll grow.